going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and ain'ts, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominique Smith. As always, I want to thank everybody for their continued support for this network. Um, it's more of a network now, obviously, the Lactic Acid Podcast, but we have a new series, a YouTube exclusive series called Track Talk, uh, which is sort of taken off in a sense and it's been so much fun to record so it's the lactic acid podcast network if you will regardless i want to thank everyone for their continued support uh we're doing great things at this channel and i'm just excited for the future today's guest is nessa frazier of the bowerman track club it was so awesome to get a chance to talk with her get to know her more uh, she's an incredible runner who's poised for an incredible season. Uh, we talked about that, just the adjustments to professional track and field, how she was able to manage you know, grades in, in college, and she gave some incredible insight for that. And she is elite when it comes to shoes. So we definitely uh, talked about the shoe game and uh, we had a great conversation there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter, Dom Smith underscore news, as well as lactic acid underscore pod. On Instagram, we are lactic acid podcast or lactic acid pod and youtube lactic acid with dominique smith we do not have tiktok anymore it had to go it had to go it had to go and it is gone so we do not have that anymore but definitely be definitely stay tuned and follow those accounts uh the updated site will be ready uh soon uh within the next week or so it'll have all the updated episodes and that is lacticacidpodcast.org that's your one-stop shop for all things lactic acid, as you just <laughs> heard a clap of thunder, it's about to storm here. Um, and definitely follow us on FanHub TF. We have an app, the FanHub app. You can get it on whatever. If you have an Android, um, you can get it on, I believe it is Google Play or the Google Play Store and then the Apple Store for your Apple products. FanHub by Athlete Biz definitely follow that you'll get a chance to see uh some unique writings some awesome articles not just from myself but from other content creators as well as athletes some of your favorite athletes are on fan hub so you definitely want to check that out as always i hope you guys enjoy the show and thank you for your support What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and angst, and welcome to Lactic Acid. I'm your host, Dominic Smith, and today we have seven-time All-American shoe aficionado baller out there in Oregon doing great things, Nessa Frazier. She joins us. Nessa, what's going on? Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Just uh, sitting here in Park City about two and a half weeks into my altitude training camp. Oh, that does not sound fun. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> yes. I'm not even going to pretend to sound. I mean, Park City sounds like a beautiful place, um, but running in an altitude environment where you can't breathe, you know, that's that takes a special kind of person. So may the good Lord bless to keep you in that endeavor. All right. So usually the thing that I ask everybody when they come on, I'm going to move it until the rapid fire. So I want to ask you this question. Let's just say Ben and Jerry's came to you and said, Nessa, 
we're going to start an ice cream brand around you. What we need from you are two flavors and a name. What would the flavors be? And then what would the name of the specialized ice cream uh, be called? Um, I think there would be one that's like a vanilla base with hazelnuts and Nutella swirls throughout. Gosh, yes. Um, Because I love, yeah, the hazelnut and Nutella combo. So good. Um, And I don't know, maybe call that like nuts for Nutella or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nuts for Nutella. Um, And then I love mint chip. So maybe like mint chip, but with extra like extra extra chocolate chips and call it uh chip on my shoulder (laughs) oh my god i love that (laughs) i was gonna say if you combine the mint chip and nutella you can call it mentella instead of like Mm. coachella you got mentella but i mean (laughs) you kind of straight fire with those names chip on my shoulder hey ben and jerry (laughs) or either ben or jerry AKA sponsor lactic acid, but we need to make that happen because that's actually something that would sell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just like a, uh, I love that chip on my shoulder. That's like a Marshawn Lynch inspired, like team on my back. So I can dig that. Totally. Can dig that. <laughs> so you are in the wonderful city of Park City. You are embarking, embracing what should be a legendary season for you. How's it all going? You know, the first couple weeks up here are always the roughest. Um, So it's been a little rough so far, but it's all to be expected. It's all going according to plan. It's just part of the process of like getting through the first couple weeks at altitude. Um, I particularly struggle at altitude. Some people seem to thrive here. I have a hard time. My body just, yeah, my body struggles up here. So Um, but I have seen in the past, it can work extremely well and get you super fit as long as you're really smart about it and smart about recovery days and smart about sleeping. So, um, that's just something I have to constantly be on top of, but if I can keep that in check, then, uh, then the fitness certainly does come up here. So, so that's what we're shooting for. That is, I, I live in Orlando um born and raised and so my senior year in high school I had no idea about altitude um and I considered myself well I mean I participated in track and field and weightlifting my senior year and we had our senior ski trip in Breckenridge Colorado and Mm. beautiful place beautiful place but when I landed I thought I was gonna die like I'm not even kidding you. Like I was, I was like wheezing. It's like I don't even have asthma. So just the fact that you have to put in mileage, like I said, that takes a special, <laughs> that takes a special person. Um, I, I maybe that just says something about how soft I am, but I can't do it. So uh, definitely, <laughs> hope that it pays off. But how has the season been going? You know, so far outside of you know getting ready for altitude, especially. Um, I can't believe we're almost in June, which is just insane. I know. 
to think about. It felt like January yesterday. Um, right. Yeah, but how's it all going? Right. Good so far. Yeah, like the primary focus will be on U.S. championships end of June. I'll be doing the 5K there. And so I opened up my season right before coming up to altitude and um, I did a 1500 and a 5k and they both were um, super solid, but kind of more tactical races. So the times didn't necessarily show where I think my fitness is, but I did get the opportunity to race on my, my home track at Stanford and win the race there. And that was just really fun and special um, kind of homecoming. I love that track so much. And I have family and friends in the area. So that was just fun. And I think part of my goal for this season, after having kind of a rough season last year is to really like embrace those fun experiences and, and know that as much as I want to win and crush personal records and all that fun stuff, like the other part of racing, like, you know, just going to a track that you love or being around a community that you love is also really special and something that I'm trying to appreciate more of. So yeah, solid season opener, but um, putting in the main work for the rest of the season right now and hoping that I'll be able to have some slightly flashier times to show for all the hard work I've been putting in, but I'm like healthy and feeling good and training better than ever. So it's just a matter of time, you know, you don't always get to choose when that next breakthrough moment is going to happen. But as long as you can, you know, keep the training going consistently, eventually, hopefully it will, it will come. (laughs) Yeah. Training. That's the, that's the hard part. Like I was watching an interview with another Stanford alum, um, Katie Ledecky, and she was just saying how much she loves training and she, sometimes loves it more than racing I was like yeah that wasn't me back in the day (laughs) um but it seems just at Stanford just looking at everything you accomplished like you were literally the goat when it comes to cardinal track and field like some of these like times and just accomplishments like I said seven time all-american 15 20 uh 5k 859 3k like oh my gosh (laughs) and everything (laughs) but it kind of followed a theme like even from seeing you know you race then to like now when you have fun or when it seems like you're having fun um that's when you ball out um how do you always I guess keep that in perspective just like I need to have fun like Mm -hmm. like bump times bump this workout this is no I just need to go out there ball out, do what I need to do, have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. It's hard. I think I did a really good job with that in college because I had a lot of other things going on that were fun and exciting. And I really enjoyed school and I, um, you know, had a social life outside of just the team. And those things really fulfilled me and brought a lot of joy and balance to my life. So by the time that I was stepping out on the track, whether it was for practice or for a race, I was kind of feeling like a whole and complete human that was like, had a lot going on, but that is, that was what like kept me going and kept me happy. So it was really easy to step on the track and be like, yeah, I'm just going to have fun out here. I'm going to ball out. I'm going to do my best. 
but like everything's going well and I'm having so much fun with other things outside of running that it's actually allowing me to have more fun with running as well and have a little bit less pressure on my running because it's just one piece of this very multifaceted life that I'm leading. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a pro, that's been a lot harder to recreate because our training and competing is our life and that's how we make a living. And that's like everything that we're pouring our time and our dedication into, which is great. I mean, at a certain point in college, you might reach a limit of, of how much you can improve because you're doing a bunch of other things. And that's why you go professional and see how good you can be when you're like pouring everything into it. But at the same time, I think it can create a lot of pressure on yourself um, because that's all you're doing all the time. And if it's not going well, then, um, you know, it's just a lot, a lot heavier weight to carry on your shoulders. And it's a lot more disappointing because, um, you do feel like in a way you almost have something to lose and it's trying to, to reframe that and somehow remind yourself that even though this is how I'm making a living right now, and this is what I'm pouring all my time into, um, at the end of the day, like, exactly like the only way to be really good is to be having fun with it so you just have to find a way to like reframe that mentality but I'm just recognizing that it's a lot harder to do when you are in this situation and in this environment and I think the longer that I'm a professional I'm now in my fourth year as a professional the I guess easier it is to do and I've gained more perspective because I've had failures and I've realized like even though that felt really intense and really disappointing in the moment, like not making the Olympic team last year, not even really being that close to making the Olympic team last year. And everybody on my team around me pretty much is making the Olympic team in the moment. That's so devastating. And it just feels so heavy, but it's like, you know, the next day we all wake up, we're all the same people. I'm still me. My teammates are still them we come back to training in the fall, everything is the same, nothing's really different, everybody has new goals. So just like, I guess, the more time I spend as a pro, and the more time I spend in the sport, like, even though certain moments can feel really huge, it's like, there's always another thing on the horizon. And people have really short memories in the sport, like, they celebrate moments hard, but then it's like, everybody's looking to the next thing. On to the next. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, that's true. I'm curious about something. You majored in management science and engineering. In addition to being the goat on the track, in addition to having a social life. How? That is, <laughs> I mean, I majored in journalism, minored in creative writing, and I thought I was going to pull the hair that I don't have out, like, <laughs> of my head. But how did you, like... Because that is that is impressive, especially at a prestigious university, uh, you know, like Stanford. How did how were you able to put it all together? And like, that's why I say there's a lot that goes into I don't all, well, I'm, I'm not even going to cap. Yeah, I do call a lot of people the goat. But in this particular instance, uh, yeah, it, it, it's fitting. How are you able to like excel at all of that? Like that is time management, like one on one. 
Yeah, well, so I did five years. So by the time I was a fifth year, I like had it much better figured out than I did when I was a freshman. Um, yeah. But but the bottom line for me with academics was letting go of perfection. And um, I don't want to say like, <laughs> I tried really hard in school for sure. And I like, um, you know, put in the time of going to office hours and all those things to make sure I was keeping up with schoolwork and, and learning everything properly. But at the same time, I let go of making every assignment perfect and prioritizing sleep. I think sleep is the biggest thing for college athletes and closing the books at 10 PM because I have practice the next morning and I don't want to, you know, take away from my performance the next day. And I'm okay taking away from my performance in the classroom a little bit. Um, you know, that's not, I still did well in school, but I wasn't perfect. And I probably wasn't, you know, as good as I could have been in school. And I, I failed a class once and I had to retake it and, and things like that, where, um, you know, I don't know if I would have been in that situation. If I was a full-time student, maybe I still would have, but, um, I think just in order to continue to have balance in my life, but also to be high performing on the track and as a distance runner where sleep is especially important, it was like, that was the way I did it was, was letting go of perfection. And I think, yeah, I think, I think people who, who did struggle a little bit at Stanford, um, were the ones who were trying to be perfect in everything. Cause it's just not possible. It's just not possible. Like, don't let, you know, what is the quote? Like, don't let, um, perfect be the enemy of good or whatever it is. It's like, you just, just <laughs> do your best, but, but prioritize things and make sure that you stick to those boundaries. Whoever told me C's get degrees was a prophet um, <laughs> because that, that is true. I wasn't, I think, you know, I, I did, I did fine in school, you know, made the Dean's list a few times or you know, a couple of times. Um, but like you said, even like talking to, you know, my professors, you know, we were having a conversation like, listen, you know, the real world experience is greater than what you're going to get in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he told me that, I was like, you know, bet. Uh, but no, what you're saying, I think is great advice uh, because some it's a lot of pressure. And like you said, you we talk about, you know, we grind so hard, but like, if you don't sleep, you're going to fall out somewhere. You know, I don't mm-hmm. care if you go to Sanford or Stanford A&M, whatever the case might be, like it, the classification of school doesn't matter. So no, I think that was a good advice for any college athlete that's watching or any high school athlete that's going into college, but let's get away from track talk for a little bit. One, uh, the, what the people want to know is about Nessa Frazier off the track. And so Usually, and I will ask this in 30 seconds, but in preparing for this interview, I noticed something that was beyond impressive. If you retired from track today, like in this podcast, like Dom, I got to go. And you opened up your own shoe company on every piece of chicken I've eaten, you would be a major success because you're the shoes that you post on like Instagram and stuff like that. <laughs> are like i'm like oh my gosh like this is some elite level shoot game so 
what I was thinking of, if so, if you had to combine a track spike, or better yet, if you can turn any pair of shoes into a track spike, which one would it be? Be the Air Force ones, it could be the OG Jordan, whatever, whatever shoe collection, whatever shoe you have in your closet. If you can combine one of those shoes into a track spike, probably the Dunk, um, which Ooh. the Dunk is just like really popular right now in general. It seems like they're just very fashionable with influencers right now in pop culture, but I love the Dunk. Um, I think it's kind of like parts of it remind me of the Jordan, but I like, I like the low nature of it, which would go well with a spike. And I like, you know, the clean white with a pop of color just looks, looks fresh. It is very fresh. What's your favorite pair that you have? Um, like of all my shoes or all of them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I do like a good Air Force One. That's just probably what I wear the most. White or black? White. Okay. Yeah. I would I would love to have an athlete. Those white Air Force Ones. I'm 28, but those white Air Force Ones took me. I didn't have a pair. I didn't have money like that. But if you had, like, I've seen people wear three-piece suits with some white Air Force Ones, and it just completes the look. There's mm-hmm. that shoe is so timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And that's why I should probably buy a pair, but they're still kind of expensive. But still, there's such a timeless shoe that goes with everything. That's, in my opinion, that's the only tennis shoe that you can wear with a suit, with a dress, mm-hmm. with a coat, whatever the case might be. Yeah, I agree. Are you in the black Air Force One? kind of mold because you got to be a special kind of person to wear black air force ones that's a different kind of energy that's what i've heard i have um i have a black pair with a bunch of gold studs all over it which is yeah next level (laughs) oh my god that is that's oh (laughs) um and then i have a black uh black pair of the sage which is like the kind of the platform style um which I do wear those too um I never actually never realized how contentious they were you know what a (laughs) statement they were but you know I just liked them but (laughs) I realize I know (laughs) do you have that kind of energy or are you like more of the white air force ones energy or the late back yeah yeah, okay. I like the white better. But I think that there's a time and a place for everything, right? And so <laughs> if, if, if the mood is right, then the black ones will come out. Listen, if you, if I was walking across or down the same street as you and I saw the black um, Air Force ones with the gold beads, I'm telling you, I'm moving. I will walk in the middle of the road. <laughs> like you can't mess with people like that. That is dope. Because I've seen, I've seen those once. And that is, that is some baller level energy. I like that. I like that. I would love, that would be a good spike. Oh, that would. Mm -hmm. I would, yeah, that would be, I wonder if Nike can make that happen. The black Air Force Ones with the gold spike. I can see you taking, oh my gosh, you would be the most feared 5K runner in the world (laughs) if you took the line with those on. 
Oh. Bells would be sweet. Yeah, I'm a like so. This is a a new sweatshirt I got, and it's you know, black and gold. I'm a big fan of that that combination. I think there's it's, a lot we could do there. It goes with everything. Um, mm-hmm. It's rare. I think Nike should do more of it. Um, they don't do too much, but yeah, I used to have like some black and gold pants, like Jordan pants. And nice. like I said, that is a combination that they should really bring back. Okay. So we could talk about shoes all day. Um, even though that is a awesome revelation because I need to go see if I could find a pair of those black and gold ones. Um, <laughs> three things that people do not know about you. Dang, that's hard. Um, I do five things or is three enough? Three's enough. <laughs> like, like, are we talking the general public or, you know, my friends? <laughs> it's, it's, it's anybody you want to know. It's, it's up to you. I leave that up to you. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I am an only child. I, um, Used to be really into horseback riding. Okay. <laughs> and um, the thing that I'm looking forward to most when I'm done running competitively is uh, downhill skiing again. Whoa, you were a downhill skier. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. What made you get into that? Well, That's not awesome. like, com- not competitively, but just like. Oh, even uh, for fun. For fun. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in California and so Tahoe was like a four or five hour drive from where I grew up. And I just, you know, took various trips there in the winter time. And I actually don't even remember learning how to ski because I think my parents were skiing and they had basically like a babysitter put me on skis and take me out. And like, I have a photo of it when I was like two, but I don't even remember it, obviously. So that's just something that, yeah, I started at a young age and loved it, but it's just too dangerous to do when (laughs) you got to protect the body at all costs when you're a runner. (laughs) I don't think they would be too happy to see you downhill skiing, but I've, I've been skiing. I went once in Breckenridge. Um, I'm not even going to lie and say I was good. I crashed. I ran over my instructor. But the moment <laughs> I was going downhill, it was just so liberating. Um, yeah. What's your favorite place that you ski? I've only ever skied in Tahoe, actually. So, um, you know, even where we are right now in Deer Valley, Utah, it's like apparently, you know, incredible snow. Utah and Colorado supposedly have some of the best snow. So, um, I want to do like a full on ski tour trip. Um, when I retire from running and, you know, the dream would be to go to like the Swiss Alps and go all over the U S and Canada. Like I would love, that's like my dream, dream trip. That would be over the span of an entire winter. Oh my gosh. That would be so fun. Yeah. Like skiing from country to country, state Mm -hmm. to state. Oh man. You got to make that happen. That would be that would be epic. That's the hard part about like being a professional athlete is there's some even horseback riding to an extent, mm-hmm. like as cool as that seems, 
Um, if you fall and like you fall wrong, then, oh, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Don't want to risk risk that. No, it's a it's a high risk, like a low key reward almost. Um, but though that's interesting that you've done that. I'm an only child too, so um, oh, nice. Yeah, that's you're actually. <laughs> it's funny you're actually the. I think I've had one other person that's an only child on the show, um, which is unique, which is a fun way to live. I'm not going to lie. What's the difference between growing up in California and where you are now in Oregon? Even going to school in California. (laughs) Yeah, mostly the weather, I would say, is the biggest thing. Like, it's cloudy most of the time in Oregon, which is tough for me because you know, it's sunny most of the time in California. So that's the biggest challenge. Um, There's a lot of emphasis on like outdoor activities and fitness in both places though. So some similarities, but the weather is brutal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I'd rather it be cold and snowy than gray and rainy, you know, pick one or the other. Because you just can't, especially as a runner because you just can't, I mean if if the goal is to well maybe that's why they have all these teams in Oregon uh if the goal is for rest after practice um because you do not feel like doing it <laughs> like that's true at all so maybe that was the point of having everything out there because there's no it drains the energy out of you mm-hmm. like I don't know it's just like you feel like honestly today it's been cloud in Orlando. It's been cloudy. And I took an extended nap. I never take naps. Like I lost that ability after I stopped being athletic, but I like it was, I took a nap because I just couldn't find the energy to like function and stuff. So yeah. oof, that's, I've been to Oregon once when I covered pre last year and it was like nice and sunny and, and it was cool. Well, 65 degrees this winter for me because that's like mm-hmm. winter in Florida. But they were right. like, oh, well, you know, we've had this heat stroke or heat wave. But usually it's like so many clouds in the sky and everything like that. So, yeah, I can see why that that can be a little turbulent. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I love to talk about food. What are some of the okay. go-to food places that you've seen in Oregon or that you can whip up yourself? Mm. I don't like, I love eating and I love food, but I don't necessarily love cooking. Um, I just find it like tiring and tedious and it's not the type of thing that I enjoy. Um, so I usually try to keep, yeah, I try to keep it pretty simple in the kitchen. Um, and then there's a really good sushi place in uh, Portland called Bamboo that's amazing. They have a roll called the Green Machine that's pretty iconic and famous. So that's probably my favorite go-to Portland spot. I hate sushi. I So I actually, I don't eat raw fish. This is a vegetarian okay. roll. Yeah, okay. I don't eat raw fish. Yeah. Okay, that's the that's where I was getting tripped up at because, yeah. and I know I take a lot of heat for it. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> but I just my fish has to be cooked. 
Like I can't Same. eat. I don't understand how people do it, mm-hmm. but it's very popular. I'm mm-hmm. yeah, but that makes me feel better that a professional elite athlete does not eat raw fish. So I don't feel yeah. as pressure <laughs> into doing yeah. it. that's the thing is like everybody loves it so I had to find a way to enjoy it and this one roll is so amazing and it's it's all vegetarian technically because yeah I won't touch raw fish it's not for me have you done like the I think they call it tempura Mm Hmm. okay how does that taste good okay if you fry anything if you fried a flip-flop I would probably eat it but um Okay. I love that fried is, things. <laughs> what's the oh man? That is it's I need to change the emblem because we're supposed this podcast is supposed to promote healthy stuff as seen by the banana. Mm. But I talk fried chicken all the time because it's a lifestyle for me. What is what's your go-to fried ordeal? Um, I mean I love Chick-fil-A. I do. Okay. You see, I can't like. There's a Chick Fil A in Oregon. Yeah, yeah, like right that. down the street. Yeah. So it's funny when people tell me they love Chick Fil A because I think maybe because living here in Florida, like there's a Chick Fil A on every corner. That it's not bad, mm. but it's overhyped okay like raisins you know something like that yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. good but it's like it's not for everybody but i did not know that's interesting i didn't know that there was a chick-fil-a in oregon Mm -hmm. i didn't think they franchised out there okay so that must be Mm -hmm. the go-to that's okay but it's still fried chicken so that's still uh it works it works it works (laughs) so on your downtime what are you able to just do outside of concentrating solely on athletics? There's really not a whole lot that I consistently have time to do. Um, You know, usually we just try to do things to kind of unwind and relax um, as a team. Or, you know, I live with two of my teammates, Sean and Elise, and – yeah, just like play games, go out to eat, like do things that are relaxing, but totally take your mind off of running and training and stuff. I think the thing that I guess I've, I'm realizing just talking to you is just how much of a lifestyle mm-hmm. this is. Even, I mean, you know, I talk to sprinters and it's, it's a strict and strategic, you know, lifestyle, but I don't know. I guess maybe until this interview, I've just never fully realized how much sacrifice kind of goes into it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, from a distance level, from a a training of a distance level. Um, Mm -hmm. So you've been through a lot um, in your running career, you know, so far not even going to rehash it. There's plenty of podcasts and episodes that you have, you know, talked about it, but it's, I think it's safe to say, like, you probably one of the toughest ones, like in the <laughs> game. Um, 
anybody that has to wear a boot on two feet, that's that is like tougher than hen's teeth. And so <laughs> you're kind of, you know, transitioning into this, you know, season, you know, going into worlds and everything like that. How are you able to kind of draw from your experiences and how much you've had to overcome? And does that give you confidence, especially, you know, during some of the darker seasons, you know, if any track and field season? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for a long time, I feel like I was drawing confidence on that experience. Like, oh, I went through all this stuff, you know, nothing can be harder than that. Well, there's always stuff that could be harder, honestly, but, um, you know, it, it was, it was a big challenge that I tackled and I, I came back from it, but, um, I didn't necessarily come back to the level that I wanted to like return at a year later. Um, which a lot of people were like, Oh, well, you just had surgery on both of your feet a year ago. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to be better. Like, that's just how I am. I'm just like, I always want to be better. Um, and if I'm not reaching my expectations or my goals, I I'm frustrated and I think that's okay. You have to learn to have a balance of that drive, but also appreciating how far you come and all that stuff. Um, but I would say now I do feel kind of like far, re like it's been two years now since the surgery, I feel pretty far removed from it. Like, okay, it's, it's a new chapter. Now I've come back from that. That did give me confidence for a while, but now I'm in a place where it's like, I'm trying to find the runner that I was pre-surgery. Like I had this huge breakthrough right before surgery and it hasn't quite clicked the same way that it, that it did in that moment or that I felt like the trajectory I was on pre-surgery. So in a way I almost have to like find confidence from how I did that previously and like who I was before the surgery. And um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm looking for again. And it's like, you don't want to get too stuck on that because every season is different. Um, and every year you're a different person and an athlete but I think I also have a lot of confidence of what I've done in running. You know, it's been two years since I've had a big breakthrough, but like trusting that that's still in there too. Do you think that maybe, I don't know, obviously, you know, you were, I think, well, I don't think I know you, you killed it, you know, prior to those injuries, but maybe the old runner had to die for the new potential to kind of be born, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I, I'm phrasing this yeah. question horribly. But no, no, I, that it, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, have you kind of thought about things from that angle? Like, okay, you know, maybe, you know, while what was previously – you know, going on, you know, it seemed like it worked. That was where I was the most confident, like maybe in order for me to take the next step, because as a competitor, obviously you want to make these teams, but you know, I don't mean to put words in your, your mouth, but I'm sure you want to get on that metal stand too and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it's like, maybe all of that had to go. So that new life, new potential, a new perspective can come up and then you could take that next, next step 
into, you know, walking into what you were made to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it. And I think something that's important for any athlete to think of in those terms, because it's so easy to get caught up in like past performances and trying to recreate those. And that's just not really how it works. And, and that's a yeah good way to look at it is like, maybe there could even be something better. And that's, you know, what we're working toward. What brings you joy in the sport? Obviously winning, <laughs> um, <laughs> but just what makes you get up every day and what allows you to see the peaks of sunlight in a cloudy overcast sky um, every day to keep you going? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's cliche, but it really is like the, of course, like achieving a big goal brings joy, but that's pretty temporary. Um, like I said, you know, short-term memory in sport, it's always on to the next thing. Um, but having a goal is something that can bring joy every day and pursuing a goal is something that can bring joy every day. Um, especially if you feel like you're doing everything in your power to get one step closer to that goal. And as simple as it is, you know, stepping outside for an hour recovery run is bringing you another step closer to that goal. And I, I've learned that through the years of running is like every step that you take matters um, however big or small. And, and that brings a lot of joy. It's like, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to get closer to this goal. So. Why did you, uh, how did you get into running? What was kind of your start? I started with girls on the run, a program for third through fifth grade girls. And it was at my elementary school and all the other girls in my class were doing it as like an after school activity. And it, prepares you to run a 5k along with other, you know, fun games and health related lessons. And it was like that. Yeah. It's just what everyone was doing. And so it sounded fun. And I fell in love with running as a third grader and, and kind of never looked back. I ran my first 5k in third grade. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Maybe something was wrong with me. Because, I mean, I didn't even know what that was, but dang. That's... Well, yeah, I never would have known if it weren't for the program. So, yeah, I owe a lot of credit to Girls on the Run. I was touching two laps for warm-ups. I wasn't thinking about a, a couple miles. Man, that is <laughs> – but that does seem like a great program. This is a weird sport, track and field mm -hmm. being. We're good, we're bad, won't go into the specifics – What's the change that you want to see in it to make it better for yourself and make it better for other athletes, especially future athletes? Mm. I don't have the exact solution of how to make this happen, but finding a way for professional track and field to have some sort of um, bigger team element to it, because that's what I loved so much about college track was being part of a team and like having a team, you know, a team trophy to compete for. That is, <laughs> but it's, yeah. Yeah. It's super individual and that's can be hard and lonely and feel selfish sometimes because you and only you on the start line that, you know, that matters really 
to yourself. So, um, and I'm, I'm a team oriented person and I, I have a great training group. Like the Bowerman track club is technically a team and it feels like a team except on race day, it's kind of every man for themselves. And of course we want the best for each other, but I wish there was a way to make it more of a team sport because I think that that is why, you know, other professional sports have more attention is because people love getting behind a team. And um, personally, I think it's more fun. So I think you're dead on right. I would love to see a team because like, you know, in the world championships and I forgot if they're doing it this year or not, or I could be hallucinating or even, you know, the Olympics, they do medal tallies, you know, for mm-hmm. you know their country. So yeah, to kind of have a trophy, you know, for, to see who gets the most medals, I think that pushes the incentive. I mean, there's already motivation to, you know, to win and get on a medal stand, but yeah, to have like a team trophy element um, to it. I think, you know, world relays, I thought was a, is a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it's so, I'm not like a participation trophy person, but you do exclude, uh, a good part of the sport. Um, because, you know, you have, you know, the four by mile and you have the four by one, the distance melody relay, but that would be fun. Like to see like, okay, let's actually have a 5k um in a 10k and just like in college you know one through five or whatever the case might be whoever can get the most points i think that Mm -hmm. would actually be good and i actually think Mm -hmm. that would bring more eyes to the sport Mm -hmm. um and so that is interesting you're actually the only athlete that i've actually talked to that has brought that up i think that's a i think that's a great idea and hopefully um you know that's something that is considered moving forward uh last couple questions then we'll jump to rapid fire then we will wrap this up with a bow have you found kind of your motivation for what you want to do post-sport yeah i um in college became very interested in the venture capital industry just being in silicon valley it was around a lot of um, startups and then did some internships in the space. And the reason why I think it's so fascinating is, well, there are a lot of things in life and business that have a lot of, uh, similarities to running and distance running, especially, but I see a lot of similarities in entrepreneurs where they have a dream and it takes a really long time to see that come to fruition, which is, just how it is with running. It's like years and years and years in the making of consistent work. That's not always very glamorous and you don't always see results. Um, but it can turn into something really big and amazing if you really put the dedication into it. So I see a lot of similarities in that and just, um, you know, a fascination with technology and innovation and, um, on the venture capital side, being able to be a part of a founder's journey and help them along the way um, is just something that really excites me. So it seems like you have a heart for people and investing (laughs) in people Mm -hmm. um, and seeing them succeed. That's actually really cool. Even in your platform now, or, you know, where you are now as a professional, 
do you see ways that you can still kind of slowly but surely kind of dive into that world? Yeah, um, I'm working on it. It's it is just so hard, especially, you know, the way our team is structured is it's just like you said, a full lifestyle commitment. And, you know, I'm locked up at altitude camp for eight weeks at a time sometimes. And, um, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's hard, but yeah, I'm kind of always like thinking about that and, and brainstorming ways, but it's definitely hard to do. Well, when you make it big, can you sponsor my podcast? Yeah. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We'll, we'll, we'll have you back on. We'll, we'll give you a one minute. I'll give you a five minute ad at the beginning of the show. <laughs> we'll go. From there. But that's actually really cool. All, you know, jokes aside, that's actually, I actually love that. Um, somebody that actually wants to invest, but not, I think, and you probably understand it more so than I do from a business perspective. It feels like the society is a very quick results oriented thing and nobody really even in gosh in track and field with the way things go sometimes nobody really takes the time to see the process through and kind of see mm-hmm. them develop so uh it's actually really refreshing to hear someone that you know cares enough about people who wants to take that time to develop them and invest in them last question if you had to give advice to anybody who's watching, especially if they're struggling on this journey, what would it be? I would say to always remember the big picture, whether that's the big picture with your running and the sport or even the big picture in life. Um, I think when you're struggling, it's really easy to kind of spiral and feel like your world is crashing in on you. But to remember, like, you know, my thought about the Olympic trials when it was hard for me, I I didn't go into it feeling ready. I hadn't been feeling like myself in training the months leading into it. And to like go into something feeling that way is really hard and like still having to try your best, even though you know, it's not going to be what you were dreaming of to just remember the track from like, you know, a satellite view above the earth. And it's like this tiny, tiny, tiny little speck on earth. And you're among a huge group of people running circles around it. And to think like, of course it matters to me, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. There's such a bigger world out there. There's other much bigger issues out there and um, people struggling more. So kind of that big, bigger picture, but then kind of what I alluded to before in the sense that like, there's always the next thing in sport and knowing that, you know, even if it sucks right now, if you keep sticking it out, there will be more opportunities. There will be times where it turns around and turns in your favor and to think about not just this season, but if like you're dealing with a huge injury and the season is kind of out the window, like think about next season and find ways to get excited about future things, even if they're way down the road, just keeping that really large perspective. I always say uh, perspective is reality. And that definitely makes sense to everything that you said. So 
We are done with the general portion. Now it's time for the fun stuff. This is called Down the Home Stretch. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. I want you to answer them to the best of your ability. If you do not, it's really no big deal um, <laughs> because very few people do it. Although, uh, the person who has the fastest time in this is your former teammate. Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah. Sinclair. Oh my gosh, it's so stressful. <laughs> Sinclair absolutely killed it. Now, there may be a couple occasions where I may ask you to expand on the answer. That does not count against the time. But yes, yeah, so technically, okay. uh, you are aiming to beat Sinclair in this. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. If there was a food that you could live with and a food that you wanted to live without, what would they be? I would live with mac and cheese and I would live without olives. I like that answer. I, I, okay. Um, if there was a television <laughs> show that you could be the guest star on, what would it be? Or Netflix series or anything? Um, oh gosh. You want to come back to that one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you had to pick a superhero to describe your game on the track, who would it be? Um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay. If there was a custom shoe made directly for you, what shoe would it be and what would it be called? Um, the dunk with, uh, gold as the color highlight. All right. What's the name of the shoe? Um, the bolt, like a lightning bolt. <laughs> okay. Got to trademark that before you sink it. So I actually think that would oh, be called. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. I actually, that shoe should be called the knockout. Mm, nice. I like it. Yeah the knockout all right dream location to take a vacation um jackson hole wyoming okay what's the last tv show that you binge watch the ultimatum on netflix <laughs> okay if they made a movie about your life who do you want to play the character your character um, Blake Lively. <laughs> I can definitely see that. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Um, okay. If you had to be asked, okay, I'll make this question a little easy for you. So instead of a TV okay. series, okay. Um, if you had to play a character in any movie. Mm. <laughs> like if they said, Nessa, we want you to be in this movie. Oh my gosh, this is just so cliche and annoying, but I think I could do it. I just hate myself for this answer. Um, legally Blonde. <laughs> okay, that is... <laughs> All right, that's, that's fine. That's fair. Um, if there was a theme song that describes your life, what would it be? Or, or any song? Hmm... Walking on a dream, but the uh, Wiz Khalifa, the thrill, the thrill by Wiz. The thrill, okay, mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, mm -hmm. what is on your game day playlist? Like, what's the song that pumps you up the most? 
Um, it's always different. Okay, that's fair. Always what's the, different. All right, what's the latest one? Like before the last race that you. I don't. I was. I don't even. I don't even think I listened to music the last race. I was talking to my coach before. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. We can skip that question. It's all good. That's more important. I mean, I do like listening to music. I do. It's just I actually like don't even have a recent one that I can think of. Ah, uh, it's all good. It's all good. A couple more. If you had to have someone narrate a race, and I mean narrate, not call a race, narrate. It could be anybody. Who would it be? Mm. These are hard. I have like I feel like I could ha come up with a good answer, but it's hard to think of off the top of my head. So there's um, like James Earl Jones. There's Morgan Freeman. Mm. There's uh, oh boy. Yeah, Morgan Freeman would be pretty good. Um, <laughs> okay, we could stick with Morgan Freeman. Or 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 um or. Barack Obama, he did a pretty good job with the like National Park series on Netflix. That would actually, <laughs> if if He's yeah, got a nice voice. <laughs> that could guide you through. I feel like if you listen to him while you're running a 5K, like you would feel so encouraged. <laughs> like mm -hmm. exactly, he would lead like yeah. the biggest comeback. Okay, yeah, From, that's a good one. Yes, two more questions. Two or three more questions. What's the best? Uh, sports comeback in sports that you've seen? Um, well, I, I guess we like got a like nice inside look um, in the in the Michael Jordan docu series. I feel like when you actually see behind the scenes of an athlete's comeback, that just gives you a whole different level of appreciation their toughness definitely if you were not running track what other sports would you participate in ski racing <laughs> ski racing yes you be team usa okay last question if you could be on any food network show what would mm. it be if you could be the guest I don't even see I'm not into cooking. I don't think I could name a single Food Network show. Is like Cake Boss a Food Network show? <laughs> I don't know if it is. I don't know if that's even an American show. I thought it yeah, was like, I don't think it, yeah. Okay, so think. the one that will suit you is Diners, Drivers, and Dives. Oh, okay. Yeah. There we oh, go. Oh, nice. Because that way you can just drive around to all the fancy restaurants around the world and you just try the food for free and stuff like that. Perfect. And film it. Love so it. Pretty much. Yeah, it's a big walk. Okay. You have completed down the home stretch. I hate to say it, but Sinclair got, she oh. got <laughs> That's she, okay. That's but sometimes, yeah, it's hard. Those yeah. rapid fire can be hard. They can be hard. But hey, you still killed it. Like I said, you did not catch an L, so there's no need that you don't have to bounce back from. Still, <laughs> still in the top 10 of performances so that is pretty awesome so last question what can we expect from you this season how are we rocking 
I guess we'll just have to find out. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's good not to, not to set any expectations, but to leave an open mind for all the possibilities. Fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to come on this show and chat with me. Where can the people find you and support you? Um, at Nessa Frazier on Instagram. Awesome. Nessa, thank you so much. Looking forward to the great things you're doing this season. That's it for Lactic Acid. You know where you can find me on Instagram, Lactic Acid Podcast, Twitter, Lactic Acid underscore pod. We're kicking off. Well, we're not even kicking off. We're well into our special um, exclusive episodes called Track Talk, released every Tuesday or Wednesday night on YouTube. So make sure to check that out. Y'all, I got to delete TikTok, the Gen Z. They just too much for a brother. So we have to keep it going with that. Um, so don't even try to follow me on there. It's gone. It's dead and gone. But I appreciate the support. Continue to follow. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, shoot me an email at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. And we will catch you next time. Thank you.